So here we are in week number three of this four-part series called Trust Me, God. Now, God created us for relationships, and you know, this side of heaven, you understand, as I do, that relationships are difficult. When you are in a relationship, you take into that relationship these things called expectations, which means you expect they will do this, or they won't do that, or do you have these expectations? A lot of times, you don't even tell them what they are. You expect them to kind of read your mind, at least if you're anything like me. But when you have unmet expectations inside of that relationship, um, certain things begin to happen. You begin to see that relationship really slowly begin to deteriorate. And the unmet expectations really create the demise of many, many relationships. When expectations go unmet long enough, eventually someone in that relationship with the unmet expectations throws their hands up, and they say, I give up, and they walk away, and they're done. They're out. Now, unmet expectations also often become the demise for many people in their relationship with God. You see, someone was sick, and so you prayed, and you prayed, and you prayed, and maybe they didn't get better, and maybe even they died. You were in a relationship that was hurting and you prayed and you prayed and you tried and you said, God, will you please fix this? Will you heal this? But maybe eventually the relationship crumbled and broke. Or maybe you needed to pass a test for school or maybe for your career, some stage you had to get through, you had to pass. And so you studied and studied and you prayed and you prayed and you were trying really hard. And you were saying, God, please bring these things back to my mind when I need them in this test. But maybe you took the test and you failed. Or maybe you need a raise. Or maybe you needed a promotion. Or you wanted a new job. Or you needed even a bill to be paid. You needed something... And you prayed and you asked God, because you know that's who we pray to and that's what we're supposed to do, and you really needed it, and God did not come through the way you needed him to come through. In that moment, you probably felt very alone. You probably felt abandoned. And maybe in that moment for you, you gave up, you threw up your hands, and you walked away and you said, listen... If, if God's not going to come through for me, or if God can't come through for me, then I'm through. I'm through with him. Maybe that's been your experience. Even though last week we taught and we said this, that God can be trusted. And we even defined faith. Here's what we said about faith. We said faith is this. It is believing that God is who he says he is, and he will always do what he says he will do. We said that is faith. When we believe that statement, that is faith. And we said faith is much more than hope. When we hope for something, we're hoping that something might happen, but we have no guarantees that it will actually happen. We just hope that it will happen. So 
a big step beyond that then is faith. So how do we get from hope to faith? And we said there's a bridge that gets us from hope to faith. And that bridge is completely made up of everything that God has promised us. And we can hold on to that. Why? Because God is who he says he is and he will always do what he says that he will do. And we can hold on to that, that promise. That is faith. We can believe it. Those things that he has promised us, we can expect those things. Why can we do that? Because we know God is who he says he is and he will always do what he has promised to do. But what happens when God lets us down? What happens when God does not meet one of those very important expectations that we have? Maybe we needed that bill to be paid or the electricity was going to be shut off. What happens when that expectation, and we prayed for it, but it does not get met? Then what? And we're left thinking, oh great, Harley, what about all those promises? So it seems to me that it might be really important for us to know exactly what God did and what God did not promise. It's important for us to know that. If we're going to expect certain things from God, then a big question would be, did God actually promise that? Did he promise you that he would do that? So we need to begin today to distinguish between God's promises and our expectations. You know, the reality is God has never promised to keep bad things from happening. He's never promised that. God has not promised to heal every sickness. God has not promised to remove the consequences of our bad decisions or the consequences of our sin. He has not promised that. But there, this is what makes it so confusing, though, because there are times that God does step in, and there are times that he does do all of those things. And one reason God decides to do things like that is because God is a good, good father. And all of this adds up to us having faith in our good heavenly Father. You see, God is not a reflection of your Father. He's not a reflection of my Father. God is not a reflection of any of our fathers. He's not similar to them. Uh, he's not like them. No, no, no. Rather, God is the perfection of our fathers. God is our perfect heavenly father. Now, as a perfect father, he would not dare give his kids everything they ask for. And as our perfect heavenly father, he can be trusted. Even when to us it seems like God may be making decisions that are out of character. He can still be trusted. You know, Jesus actually told us to call God Father. 
And he could have chosen many, many different analogies from the Old Testament for us to use. But he, he said, he chose this. He said, we can call him Abba Father. Daddy, Daddy. And because he is Father, we can ask him for everything we desire. And Jesus said that God is a good Father, loves to give his kids good gifts. But he will say no if it's not his best plan for us. And even sometimes, sometimes, a good father says yes, sometimes a good father says no, and he's still a good father, even if we don't understand why he said no, because, I mean, really, you needed that bill paid, right? You needed the bill paid, and he didn't make a way for it to be paid. That makes no sense to us. But we can know, and as we progress through today, we can know he is a good father because sometimes he says no. But he is really, I mean, let's just be honest, he is under no obligation to do those things that he has not promised to do. And the fact is that friends die and parents divorce and family members get sick and houses get foreclosed and jobs are lost and cars get wrecked and bad things happen. But those things are no reflection of the goodness of God and they are no reflection of God's presence in our lives. In other words, when bad things happen, it doesn't mean God has left the building and abandoned us. And I want to give you an example of that. We just have to look at the apostles, the, these people who were the disciples closest to Jesus. Now, they were certainly men of, of great faith. But even those men of great faith, they had unanswered prayers. They had bad things happen to them. And God did not always intervene on their behalf. But they didn't lose their faith. They didn't throw up their hands and give up and walk away from God. Because their foundation was not how God did or did not answer their prayers. That was not their foundation. It was not a foundation built upon, well, God gave me an easier life, therefore I'm going to follow Him. Their foundation was not their circumstances needing to be good and for God to give them goodness around them. Their foundation was not even their ability to understand what God was doing, when He would do it, and why He was choosing to do it that way. They did not have to understand they didn't have to know what God was up to in the world. Now, we're going to pick up a passage that where we left off last week. And this passage that we're going to look at, it clearly says, we may have the wrong expectations for God. And the passage we're going to look at blows up this idea that God has planned for you and for me to have more and more and more health 
more and more and more wealth and prosperity and good things like that. That that is God's plan. It's going to blow this out of the water. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 35. You see where we left off last week. We said women receive their loved ones back again from the dead. Now that's a big deal. And all before that were a lot of great things that had happened. And now, though, we get to this. But, this is a big but. But others were tortured. Now we're talking about God-loving, God-following in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus following, which is God, Jesus following people who had great faith. But others were tortured. Now that does not sound like God has a wonderful plan for your life. Torture. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. In other words, they did not give up their faith, throw up their hands and walk away because they were tortured. They placed their hope, now this is a biblical hope here, they placed their hope in a better life. So, they do believe that God has promised them a better life. Now, when God promises something, guess what? It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. Why? Because God is who He says He is. He will always do what He says He will do. So they could hold on to this guarantee. They could hold on to this promise, this deed. They held on to it. God, But they place their hope in a better life. When? In God's timing. Here's what it says. After the resurrection. After the resurrection. They place their hope in a better life. A guarantee from God. When was it going to happen? After the resurrection. I just want to make a comment here. You may have heard a teacher, maybe on TV, that's the most likely place you're going to hear it. You may have heard a teacher that has said, God has a plan for you to have more wealth, prosperity, to have an easier life, and all at the same time, he may be raising money for an airplane or she. I don't know. But if you have been listening to someone who is telling you that God's plan for you is bigger more things, more wealth, a better life, easier life, more stuff, more money, a job promotion. If these are the things that that person has been teaching you, you are listening to a liar. These are God-following, God-loving, Jesus-following people. And listen to what happened to their lives. Verse 36. They were jeered at. Their backs were cut open with whips. That, does not, that phrase does not do justice to that torture. Others were chained in prisons. Some died by stoning. Our visual image of stoning is, is just like, oh, mamsy, pamsy, they were stoned to death. Our imagination can't, can't conceive, unless you have seen it, can't conceive the horror of stoning. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. Now listen, does that sound like 
God had promised them more. I mean, for that person, maybe half more. <laughs> no. I, I don't know where these people are getting their teaching from, but it is not from God's Word. Some died by stoning, some were sawed in half, others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goats and, and, and destitute and oppressed and mistreated. And then he gives a description. These people, he said, they were too good for this world. Wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes and in the ground. Does that sound like that they were going to move on up to the east side? To the better life? That that was God? No, they were in holes in the ground with their babies. All these people had earned a good... You know what? Somewhere up there, it says... I may have read... I, I sure, it says they were destitute. Destitute. <laughs> you know what that means? De-emphasize the toot. <laughs> Do you know what that means? It means there was no money for food. Does that sound like more and more and better. They had no money for food. They had no money for bills. They were destitute. Verse 39, all these people earned a good reputation in spite of all of that. Why? Because of their faith. Yet... Now, what is the faith? They believe God is who He says He is. He'll do what He said He will do. Yet, none of them received all that God had promised. They were holding the deeds, holding the titles, holding the promise and the guarantee. Why could they hold those? Because God is who He says He is. He will always do what He says He will do. Now, the question is, when is He going to do it? And it's going to happen in God's perfect timing. Because they were not having faith in the circumstances around them to be good or right or the way they wanted them. Their faith was in the one who made the promises. Verse 40, for God had something better in mind for us so that they would not reach perfection without us. This book of Hebrews is amazing. These things that we just read, they happened, and yet those people that experienced them did not lose their faith. Because their faith was not in the need for God to answer that specific prayer. Their faith was not in God meeting their expectations or doing what they wanted God to do for them. That's not where their faith was. Now maybe, maybe when God doesn't do what we expect, maybe it is not God that has missed the mark. Maybe it is our expectations that are off. Did God actually promise that he was going to do what you're expecting him to do? 
that he actually promised that. And perhaps you have found a verse in the Bible that says, yeah, yeah, God has promised that. Here's my question. Was that promise to you? We have to be so careful. You can buy books that are called God's promise books. But you have to be so careful. Was that promise for you? Now let me give you a hint. This is a big hint. If that promise is located in the Old Testament, there's a 99% chance that that promise you are claiming for you is not for you. It is not a promise to you. Do you know why? The Old Testament was written to the Israel nation. That was not written to the United States of America unless you're an Israeli. We have to be careful what we say. That is my promise. I claim that promise. Let me give you an example. There's this passage in the Old Testament. And a lot of times we... It, listen, the, the verse... It's a wonderful verse. And I'm not saying the Old Testament does not apply to us, the, that the Old Testament does, is not inspired, that it's not meaningful, that it can't change. Our, I'm not saying that. I'm saying be careful what you say is your promise. It may not be, belong to you. There's that verse in the Old Testament that says, If my people who are called by my name, will, do you know what the next word is? Humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways. Does that sound familiar? And then it says, here's what the promise, if they will do that, then it says, I, I will hear from heaven. And it says, I I'm going to heal their land, right? And we love that verse. And we're like, yeah, that's what we need to do, America. And it may be what we need to do. But here's the, let me give you the truth. We could do all of that. We need to. But God is under no obligation to heal our land. Do you know why? That promise was not for us and is not for us. We can say it. We can claim it. It's not ours. We do not hold the title and the deed on that. Do you know why? That was written to Israel, not the United States of America. We have to be careful. What we say is my promise that God has promised me. We've got to be careful. So, if faith is believing that God is who he says he is and he will always do what he says he will do, then what has God promised us what does he guarantee us? What can we expect? Now, I can't answer that whole question today, but we are going to give you the beginning of an answer. I'm going to give you today, as you leave here, some, something God has promised you that we can hold on to. And we also find this in the book of Hebrews. This is the book we've been studying. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest, and then the writer says, this high priest has entered heaven. Well, that's pretty awesome. And he gives us the name of this high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. So he's saying, Jesus, the Son of God, is in heaven alive today, acting as our high priest. That's happening right now, this moment. And so the writer of Hebrews says, because that's happening, he says, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Because that's happening, 
Because Jesus is alive today in heaven, acting as our high priest before God. He said, because of that, hold firmly to that. That's where you place your faith. Hold on to that. Don't lose faith. Don't give up. Don't throw your hands up and walk away. He said, hold on to that. The fact that Jesus is alive, he's in heaven right now, acting as your high priest. Hold on to that. Verse 15. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Now, this is kind of a side promise that we're going to throw in here. A little side promise, a little bit extra, but it's a promise. This promise says that we can know that he understands. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. We are promised that God understands. You know why? Because Jesus, who is God, walked on this earth in life just like we do. For he has faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Verse 16. So because of all of that, because Jesus is alive in heaven right now, we can hold on to that. He's acting as our high priest. He understands what we go through. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. And you're like, oh, okay, wait a minute. Harley, boldly? Really? Are you, are you serious? With confidence? Are you serious, Harley? Confidence in what? Because you just told me that God might tell me no. So boldly how? Confidence in what? You just told me that he might not give me what I want. Yes. But confidently and boldly, because God promises us this, in our time of need, he will give us mercy, and he will give us grace. That's what it says. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Mercy. Mercy at times in our lives is just simply knowing that God is going to give us his undivided attention as we pour out our hearts and our frustrations and our needs to him. That he's listening, he gives us his undivided attention. Sometimes in our lives, mercy is a physical relief. Sometimes mercy is an emotional relief. But so frequently in our lives, mercy is this. It is the assurance that God is never going to allow the pressures of this life and the heartbreaks of this life to be more than you can handle in him. Jesus knows far more about the hurts and the heartbreaks and the emotions of this life than we give him credit. Jesus understands fear. Jesus spent the night before he was going to be tortured the next day, tortured beyond anything we can imagine, tortured almost to the point of death, and then they finished him off on the cross. And he spent that night in fear, 
dreading the events that were going to transpire the next day because he knew exactly what was coming. Jesus understands fear. He understands rejection. The whole family of Jesus, with the exception of Mary, and maybe even her at times, but certainly his siblings rejected him. The family of Jesus rejected him. He understands that he was rejected by friends, his closest friends. Temptation, Jesus understands temptation. He, Jesus was tempted in every way we're, te- we're tempted, and, and you know what? He, he survived it, and he wasn't tempted by some mamsy-pamsy demon. J- Jesus was tempted by the evil one, the most powerful evil of all, Lucifer himself. He understands temptation. He understands failure. As Jesus watched, Jesus, the Bible tells us, is the creator. And as Jesus watched this creation that was made perfect and became a mess, Jesus understands failure. Jesus understands loneliness. When he died on that cross, he alone died for the sins of the world. He understands loneliness. He understands abandonment. His friends ran away when he needed him most, when they needed, when he needed them most, and, 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 and he even told them at one point, I need you, please stay awake. I need you. And they just fell asleep. He understands abandonment. He understands far more then we give him credit for understanding. We have a God who understands us. He has felt what we feel, and he knows because of that exactly what we need. And we can come to his throne with confidence, with transparency, and we can come to his throne with openness. You know why? Because we know how he will respond to us. He's not going to respond to us and say, I can't believe you did that! Again! He's not going to say to you, I I can't believe you feel that way. You idiot! He's not going to say, what is your problem? No. He is a mercy giving God because he knows what it is like. Jesus knows what it is like to need mercy. But you know what? He doesn't just stop with mercy. I mean, I mean, he could. It should be enough for us, but he doesn't stop with just mercy. He continues with that promise we just read of grace. The type of grace that the writers of that the writer of Hebrews is talking about here is God giving us the strength to endure if we rely upon Him. It's God giving us the ability to carry on through this life, no matter what is happening, to carry on if we will depend upon Him. Friends, your boss may never lighten up. Your parent may never get off your case. Your spouse may never come back. The person who hurt you the most may never admit that they were wrong. That person may never come to you and apologize and ask forgiveness, and they may never, ever make things right with you. You may in your life 
always for the rest of your life, you may be making every dollar stretch so it will go further. Your relationship status may never change on Facebook. But God has promised to give you the strength to endure whatever it is as you depend upon Him. God has not promised to deliver you from your circumstances, but He has promised to deliver you through your circumstances. If there's anyone that I would look at in the New Testament apart from Jesus, any of His followers, and I would say, man, that guy had it. That guy had it. It would be Paul. It would be Paul. But he didn't just have it. Man, Paul got it. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 8. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Paul said, my circumstances, they, they suck. They're horrible. They're sorry. We're pressed on every side. The stress of this life, we're pressed on every side by, by troubles. But we are not crushed. No. He said, we are perplexed, but we are not driven to despair. We are hunted down. Now there's a good thing for, for you. He's hunted down. Now that doesn't sound like more. That doesn't sound like better, unless you're the one doing the hunting. Paul was the hunted. That doesn't sound very good. But he said, we were hunted down, but never abandoned. By God, He saw him through. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. And then here's one for you, verse 10. Through suffering. Through suffering. Now, that doesn't sound like anything we want to say. I want more of that. Through suffering, Paul said, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. Yes, we live under constant danger of death because we serve Jesus. That's why. So that the life of Jesus will be evident in our dying bodies. Those followers of Jesus were full of trouble. And they were full of suffering and pain. You want to talk about what's promised and what there is more of that is guaranteed in this life? Suffering. That's what it is. Not a new car. Pain. Oh, that's what it is. Not a promotion. It's just part of our future on this earth. You know what? Jesus actually promises us that we can hold on to this title. You don't want to hold on to it. But it's a guarantee that He gives us a promise, something we can expect. He actually promises you, if you follow Him, you will suffer. Here's what He says in John chapter 15, His own words, since they persecuted Me naturally, they will persecute you. And since sin entered into creation at Genesis chapter 3, 
There has been death in this world. There has been sickness and pain and struggle. And so many times it feels, and it may be, unfair, but it's there. And God may not take it away. He didn't take it away from Paul. He didn't take it away from all those others' followers so many times. Sometimes he did, but so often he didn't. We have the freedom to go to God. And we have the freedom to ask and say, God, will you change this circumstance? And we should. Yes, we should take that to God and we should pray with sincere hearts. God, will you change this circumstance? Help me pay this bill. Will you have, we take all those things to God. Yes, because God is a loving Heavenly Father. We know this. We're promised He will listen. But He may not change that circumstance. But you can expect this. You can hold the title, the guarantee, the promise, the deed on this. He may not change the circumstance. But He will give you His mercy and grace to make it through. If you will rely upon Him. Why? Because God is who He says He is, and He will always do what He says that He will do. You hold the guarantee. You hold the deed. You hold the promise. You hold the warranty. Hebrews chapter 4 tells us. Let's read it again. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. Let us hold firmly. The high priest of ours, he understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there, there we will receive his mercy, and we will find his grace to help us when we need it most. That mercy that says God will never give you more or allow to happen in your life more than you can endure in Him. And the grace that says He will see you through. He'll give you the strength. He'll see you through that circumstance in Him. If you will simply Rely on Him. Friends, my life carries the scars of living. And so many of those scars are scars that I have inflicted and caused in my own life with my actions, my inactions, my words, my life, I caused so many of those scars. And I have a, another load of scars that have been caused by other people. So I have my own scars. I have scars from others. So do you. But I am standing here right now at this moment. 
because God is exactly who He says He is and He will always do what He says He will do. And that is what He has done in my life. And here I stand right in front of you a result of God's mercy and God's grace. So what about you this week? Life happens. And it's going to happen this week and next week and the week after that. I'm asking you to hold tightly to the title. Hold tightly to that deed. Hold tightly to that promise. Hold tightly to that guarantee that God will never allow the pressures of this life and the heartbreaks to be more than you can handle in Him. And God will give you the strength to endure through it if you will rely upon Him. Let's pray. Jesus, because of our faith in You, because You right now at this moment are in a real place called heaven, You are there. You are alive. Let us hold firmly to You and not let go. Let us come boldly to Your throne and there we will receive Your mercy and we will find Your grace to help us when we need it most. God, You may not change our circumstances, but You will see us through them, Jesus. Amen.